Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Thank you to whoever it was that sent me the cheese grater. Um, I should have, because I got, I got a number of correspondences and uh, mixed them up, so I don't know which ones were just the cards and which one which one of you sent this, but it's it's one of the nicest cheese graters I've ever seen, and now I have one, and I'd, I'd mentioned that. Oh, it's the kind with different sized holes. One of the that's things the that's setting up a new household is you, you, you forget that you've got nothing. Like, everything that you ever use, you don't have one of. Pick up a soup can and just stare at it. I have no way to open this. I don't actually right now. If you handed me some soup, I would have. To, I just got to drive a few nails through the side, pull them out, drain the soup. Out. Haven't gotten around to getting a can opener, but now I have a great cheese grater. So thank you very much. You got a pizza cutter? No. You need a pizza. cutter. I just bought an iron. So had an iron. Do you have an ironing board? No. <laughs> he just irons them on his arm. I lay a <laughs> towel on the counter like I'm a college kid. Wow. That's pretty resourceful. Actually, my lifestyle is very much like a college kid right now. But anyway, back to the real news. Here's uh, one difference between Jack and myself, in case you, you want to know this, and you probably don't. I have ironed fewer than half a dozen garments in the last 50 years. Oh, really? I'm, yeah. I'm, a, pretty, uh, I'm a pretty consistent ironer. Yeah, I, anything that needs to be ironed, I get dry cleaned. Well, yeah, well, yeah I get that. Uh, during the pandemic, that's kind of gone away, though. At least yeah. it has for me. Yeah. My place has been not the same. And then more uh, lately, I've embraced the uh, kind of wrinkled look. I mean, shirts that the fabric is supposed to look like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For the man who craves leisure, that is really the style of so choice. So my son is here. He's actually sitting in the office right now, and he's got his fifth grade promotion today, and he wanted to kind of get dressed up. So we went to Target, which is where you buy your dress clothes, and got him uh, some pants and a suit jacket and a white shirt, and uh, then went to Famous Footwear and got him some real shoes. His first pair of real dress shoes because he doesn't go to church which i'm a little guilty about but like when i was a kid we all had sunday school clothes because we all went to sunday school and church he has not so he doesn't have clothes like this but so i got him some and um and he's pretty excited about it and he's dressed nice and uh uh, so he's going to do his fifth grade promotion where you walk across the stage and they hand you your certificate the one interesting thing though and this is you know, different schools cut it off at different ages, but so next year he goes to a school where it's 5th, 6th, 7th, hmm. and he'll go from being the oldest class in the school to the youngest class, and you're around 6th and 7th graders, which have a different view of the world and different knowledge of things, and so he is definitely going to be exposed to that whole new level of trouble in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a little intimidating. It's scary, but it's necessary. Well, as obvious, you know. obviously it's necessary. What are the other options? Keeping him in fifth grade forever. But the, the, the number of kids in his current school who are either smoking pot or looking at porn or whatever would be very, very low, I think, at fifth grade and below. Mm-hmm. Next year, when you go to fifth, sixth, seventh, I think, well, you know, you're going to you're going to have a you're going to have a section. Yeah, it's possible. So it's possible. there you go. Yeah, I remember some of my Sunday school uh, shoes in particular as I came of age. My uh, the 10 years where you go from kindergartner to conceivably you should shave once in a while to me was the 1970s. And some of my uh, my uh, Sunday school shoes were were platform soles like I'm uh, disco (laughs) stew. I had those too. Very cool. Very cool. Very high heel. Yeah, two two tone as I recall yep. too. Yep, I wish I still had those shoes. Those were hot. <laughs> <laughs> they were probably about six dollars though, and they hurt my feet more than a little. I think they were plastic. <laughs>
The message that I took was to worship God, your feet should hurt. <laughs> anyway, putting aside partisanship, can I, will I, I don't know. Because I do believe uh, Kamala and Joe Biden have brutally mishandled the immigration situation. Uh, but putting that aside for now, there is an astounding uh, situation going on on the border right now, particularly in Texas, but all along the border. As the come on in, come in, come in, we're going to give you lots of benefits. We're not going to crack down. Trump was a racist. Uh, that whole narrative that took hold of Democratic Party politics for you know quite a while. Um, that message was received loud and clear by the people and the cartels. And the flood of Venezuelans and and uh, and El Salvadorians, Guatemalans, uh, Mexicans too, but to a large degree Central Americans, is mind-boggling right now. And if you don't watch Fox News, you're probably unaware of it. Right. Uh, but let's do a quick report. Uh, clip number 47. This smuggler says the border is anything but closed, adding he's making $100 to $200 a day moving migrants across the Rio Grande. It's the same message the migrants themselves are telling us. Ayumar Jose from Venezuela made the decision to come just four days ago. That's something that I've been seeing in the, on the news lately. And what... Other people talking about. What do they say? They say that there is a better opportunities here for immigrants. So I, I took the I took the chance. AMR is far from alone. Here in the Del Rio sector, they're seeing numbers never before seen, up 457% compared to last year, with every single sector across the entire southern border increasing more than 160%. As we've said many times, I have nothing but admiration for those people who are taking a hell of a risk in a journey to make their lives better and their families' lives better. That guy from Venezuela lives under a brutal socialist dictatorship. He sees the, the prospect of the United States like so many have had. Have and he was watching the news and he thought, "Hell, everybody's getting in. I'm going." You know, I don't. I don't look down on those people at all. Oh, no, change the trajectory of your family name forever. I mean, well, yeah. you talk about a before and after for your family lineage. There's before you got to the United States and after two completely different existences. So yes, I understand why anybody would do it. Yeah, as an amateur economist, it's like the whole thing with the additional uh, unemployment benefits that are clearly keeping people from from taking jobs. It's a sensible, insane, rational decision. I also understand the sane and rational rational decision that every other country on Earth makes to secure their borders. Every country on Earth, every first world country on Earth, except for the United States. Right. So having issued my long, heartfelt uh, disclaimer, the fact is our border is wide open, wide open. The authorities are so completely overwhelmed. Kamala Harris is, I have a message. Don't come. Don't come. It's just it's it's comedy of the worst sort because it's a joke, but it's not funny. After the Democratic debates in which everybody raised their hand, except for Joe Biden, for free health care for illegals. Yeah. Unbelievable. 
Just stunning. Meanwhile, oh, speaking of Kamala Harris, um, she's down, uh, or she was down in Central America meeting with, like, a leader in an effort to turn Guatemala into Central American Disney or something. And I thought that the take, uh, there were a couple really interesting things that Tucker Carlson had on the other night. Clip 55, he's talking to the president of El Salvador. The United States has seen a dramatic increase in crime and in murders. Yes in cities across the country. What would your advice be to leaders in the U.S.? To be tough in crime. Actually, now, before El Salvador was the murder capital of the world. Like three three years ago, we were the murder capital of the world. Now, crime has been reduced by 75%, violent crimes. And so now it is more dangerous to live in Chicago, for example, than to live in El Salvador. You know, the idea that she's going down there to promise lavish, uh, lavish uh, piles of American cash to reform their societies, it, you know, it's, it's a point worth making. It's not like you have to do one or the other, but there are ginormous problems in American cities right now, and you don't hear anything about going into them and fixing those. Speaking of which, here's a Chicago activist, Andrew Holmes, in 56. My message goes out to the president, goes out to everybody, mayor and everybody. Come get on the grounds, do what we got to do. We need them to come out on the streets here. You know, you fly at Air Force One over there to take care of people overseas and don't take care of the United States, don't take care of Chicago. And the same thing with all elected officials. Come on out here on these streets. These streets are full of blood. I read an opinion piece the other day by, uh, oh, his name flitted out of my head. I really need to get more sleep and eat less fish and chips. Uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, presidential candidate under uh, Trump, etc. Ben Carson? Uh, ben Carson, of course, yeah. I kept uh, his name a couple more times. You got a brick coming your way. <laughs> oh, boy. I kept thinking Herm Cain, and I couldn't get his name out of my head. But uh, I was reading old Ben, and, uh, and he was making some really powerful points about the problems with critical race theory and the whole, uh, you know, uh, equity as opposed to equality thing. And what he was preaching for, and of course, they had the guts to print it in the Washington Post, which I appreciated. But what he was preaching was that the black family has crumbled. And for whatever reason, and you can blame the legacy of slavery or, or whatever you want, or Jim Crow, we can talk about that. I think there are flaws to that argument, especially because the black family was actually in Good shape, really good shape in the early 60s. Black home ownership, business ownership, the rest of it was, it was much, much higher than it is now. But anyway, let's put aside that argument for the moment. What he was saying was, if you want to talk about what really affects outcomes for uh, black little boys and girls, it's the stuff, I bet y'all, you're probably way ahead of me. It's an intact family. It's finishing your high school education. It's not getting pregnant before you're married, and it's not being affiliated with a gang, or if you are in one, get out. And and again, putting aside politics, focusing just on the fact that black lives truly do matter, and, and little children, no matter what they look like, deserve the American dream, what I want to know is, and this is not a political point, this is a human point, Where is the giant, full-throated, practically unanimous program, maybe helped by the government in one way or another, to communicate to kids those simple truths? 
Why isn't there a billboard every single block in Chicago? I happen to grow up in Chicagoland, so I follow the news there a lot. Why isn't? Why aren't the words "stay in school"? Uh, you know, don't get pregnant. Why are those words not on the lips of every single civic and civil leader in Chicago? Why is it not on every billboard? Why isn't there a slogan that we all know? that is teaching kids to do those very simple things to have better outcomes. Why Why are we letting, for instance, teachers' unions crush the idea of school choice when if we could get these beautiful little children into good schools with great mentors, you would change their lives forever? Why is that not happening? Instead, we're having these idiotic Robin D'Angelo-led encounter groups for overeducated suburban white women and pretending that we're doing something for black America. It's just galling. It's just annoying. Anyway, end of rant. Uh, we've got a whole lot of good stuff to come, including... Oh, that, what was I so excited about? Oh, <laughs> This is probably not a good idea. The states with the highest and lowest average IQs. Yes. If you live in stupid Sylvania... Or Smartachusetts, stay with us. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Finally, we have throwing a wobbly. To the British, it means having a tantrum. But to Biden, well, that's when you get two kings and nine and the instructions card, and you're playing my favorite gambling game, Sneaky Canasta. <laughs> Loser has to suck on a bunch of pine needles or eat a popsicle backwards. Lick the wood stick clean while you hold the ice pop. <laughs> Come on. Jimmy Fallon making fun of how old Joe Biden is. <laughs> and his rambling old guy stories. He's what that is. Oh, boy. I wish you could have some sort of checklist where you you can check off when you've told various stories or lessons to your kids, especially. Mm, yeah. Because uh, there's some, I swear, it's uh, they've never heard it before, and they're like, yeah, Dad, we know. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and nobody wants to be that guy, but it seems like it's impossible not to be. <laughs> Coming up, if you've made jokes about the how the people in the state next year are really stupid, we'll, we'll show you whether you're right or not. It's the smartest and stupidest states. That'd be one of the cool things. Things that Google Glasses or what was the thing we heard about the other day? Um, uh, a similar sort of thing. Some sort of glasses that had computer technology in them. Anyway, if you could get some sort of technology that would tell you, you have told this person this story before, you have told this person this story before, <laughs> right when you jump into it. I would buy those to every person in, that I engage with. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you could, if, hey, when hey, it I alerted you, you that. It's a, it's a gift for you, but it's really a gift for me. <laughs> when, once they alerted you to that, you could say, now, I know I've told you this before, but the reason I bring it up, and you could tack, you know, just turn to the right and, and make an Excuse, not just be an old guy with a bunch of boring stories. Anyway, uh, speaking of stupid and, and, and boring, uh, this is not boring, but it is stupid. It's uh, Missouri Representative Jason Smith, Missouri, one of the stupidest states or smartest. You'll find out coming up. Um, talking to the deputy director of OMB, Shalanda Young. Uh, well, I think it's kind of self-explanatory. Clip 50. The budget requests $26 million to reduce maternal mortality and eliminate race-based disparities 
and outcomes among, quote, birthing people. I've never heard the term before. Can you explain what it means? Uh, absolutely. Uh, there, there are certain uh, people who do not uh, have uh, gender identities that apply to female or male. Uh, so we think our language needs to be more inclusive in how we deal with complex issues. This got a lot of attention around Mother's Day because some official language in the uh, Biden administration, they took out moms and changed it to birthing people to be more inclusive. Please which... do not use gendered <laughs> language to, we know. to address everyone. Which we got know. mocked by every normal person in America. <laughs> Instead of torturing the language, how about you just recognize some people who give birth, who are clearly women, look like dudes, and just not, not make a big deal of it. Instead, they're jumping through all these idiotic hoops. Eliminating the word mom. Come on now. I know. I know. Ancient language, now twisted for 21st century bizarro ideological reason. We got this note from M, whose son is going through fifth grade uh, sex ed, and most uh, most of it was okay. They did get into some really weird gender identity stuff, but she said, um, blah, blah, blah. they were referring to people with vaginas, people with male bodies, etc., which was cracking me up. They were twisting themselves into knots trying hard to be PC. Right. People with vaginas? Do you mean women? Because you mean women. Mm-hmm. Is what you mean. <laughs> All right. Smartest and dumbest states by IQ coming up. Plus, if you don't live in California and you think it's weird, you're wrong. It's weirder than you think. A protest that is so California. It was like some sort of riot at a mental institution. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Catch That's- the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I have no regrets. This was like the best decade and a half of my life. This show has really meant so much to me because I feel like without the hard moments, there's no growth. This is a period in my life that has meant so much to me. When I think about season one to season 20, those are my most magical memories. I am fabulous. We said this when we started, family is everything. We will always be okay because we have each other. The season finale of Keeping Up with series. the... Series. The forever finale. Series finale of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And if you don't think that's worth talking about, you are wrong. Because that show changed everything. First of all, it uh, it made several of them billionaires, and and ushered in the whole influencer world that just dominates dominates now on social media. And the whole I don't think Trump's president without keeping up with the Kardashians. Whoa, what an interesting theory! The whole celebrity famous for being famous thing. Yeah. Not completely invented by the Kardashians, but they took it to 11. Right. Whoever invented it first. Has there ever been a higher ratio of stupid to profitable? Oh, wow. I'm thinking, I mean, pornography, people bumping their genitals is not exactly, you know, Shakespeare, but uh, the pet rock. I'm trying to think. I mean, in terms of turning dumb into money, it's practically miraculous. Speaking of dumb. 
I'm not sure how to present this. This is the states with the highest and lowest IQs. Putting aside, well, we're not going to put it aside. Critics point out that testing intelligence is difficult. Oh, yeah. I'm skeptical of anything talking about who's smarter. In what what sense? I mean, there's just so many different kinds of being smart. Right, right, indeed. And from, you know, the obvious, you're, you're verbal, you're a good writer, you're adept at mathematics, you can hear a piece of music and immediately play it. Your hand-eye brain coordination is so great, you're an you're a elite athlete. Emotional, I mean, that's emotional intelligence, which is a huge gift for people who have it. Right, yeah, amen to that. Um, and I love this, actually, and this is the people presenting this list, but they point out, after all, if you ask a super smart dolphin to answer a multiple choice test, it will probably just swim around happily in the ocean. So it's difficult to measure intelligence in, in some cases. <laughs> having said that, having said that, there are some states that are very smart and some that are just dumb. Average IQ scores. How accurate, how accurate do people tend to think IQ is? 100%. I don't have any idea. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't have any sense of that whatsoever. I took an IQ test once. They said I got 100. I said, perfect score. There you go. Can't do better. 100. <laughs> I know how the grading system works, and I just ran out of there while they were trying to yell something else at me. But I, yeah. I, no What they yelled you, was, brains. we misread it. He's an 80 at best. <clears throat> for the longest time, they said 100 is average. Uh, so mm-hmm. anyway, for what it's worth, which I'm a 90, much, which is uh, officially a dullard. Why don't we count down from the smartest state to the dumbest, all 50 of them? Okay. <laughs> That'll probably take too long. Here's your smartest. Massa- I always want to say Massachusetts, but I'm not sure if you can say that on the air. The, the frequent <laughs> Pretty sure you child, childlike mispronunciation yeah. of Massachusetts uh, is number one, New Hampshire, Vermont, North Dakota, Okay, so the first, the top three are all northeastern states like that are next to each other. What's going on there? But then the upper Midwest, North Dakota, Minnesota, Montana. And then let's go back to the northeast, Maine, then back to the upper Midwest, Iowa, Snow, the land of your people. Snow brings intelligence, clearly. Yeah, yeah, if you're at the beach, you're at the beach. You know what you're not doing at the beach? Learning. You got nothing else to do. It's all winter long. It's like eight months of winter. Like when I was in Vermont, they said, we got two seasons here, winter and waiting for winter. Um, uh, you just you sit around and learn stuff. And then uh, Connecticut and Wisconsin, rounding out the top ten. I've lived in several of these states. I'm a brilliant man. Well, and, You're and a genius. They, well, and they ran you out of those states, yeah, didn't they, to preserve their, I left, their average. I left because I was too stupid. Jack, you don't fit in here. Not to put too fine a point on it, but we have... Here in Massachusetts, an average IQ of 104.3, uh, if you can take the hint. Actually, that's the highest, 104.3. Then you get down to the bottom 10, counting down to the lowest damn IQ in America. Uh, let's see, how would this work? All right, Tennessee is 41. Arkansas. 41? Their average IQ is 41 in Tennessee? No, no, they're... <laughs> No, they're wow. in 41st place. They're eating their own dung. <laughs> no, 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 41st place. Uh, and uh, I, I will tell you what the average IQ of the very lowest state is when we get there. Okay. Then you got it, Arkansas. Then, interestingly, Arizona. 
then Nevada, cheek bajowl with uh, Arizona, then New Mexico. Yeah, when you get to the one thing about uh, as you move further west, you get states that are, you know, they're transplants from other states. So they 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 they, they have less state uh, and certainly more recent state uh, unity than the, these other states. That have been around for like three, four hundred years. I'm hearing excuses for the desert southwest being just flat dumb. Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, all in the bottom ten? Lizards must make you stupid or something. Or heat, well, I don't know. Uh, let's see, where were we? Uh, it is Al- pretty yes. interesting that almost entirely all the smartest states were in cold weather, and most of your dumber states are in hot weather. You know, not to get overly serious about this uh, probably idiotic list. Um, I remember reading. I just uh, I was just refiling books, and um, and uh, I came across Guns, Germs, and Steel, which got so much recognition. I I thought it was bad. I thought its premise was wrong. I thought its arguments were weak. I thought it contradicted itself constantly. I didn't read the book. I only watched the uh, documentary about the book. But um... it, it just it bent way over backward trying to say there are no cultures that are more adept at achieving success. It's just accidents of history and germs and the rest mm. of it. I thought, boy, I don't think that's true. And and I've said it many times, and I will stand by it. I think colder climates are more uh, conducive to productivity than hotter climates for the simple reason that the animal doesn't want to put out effort when it's hot. When it's cold, effort, movement keeps you alive. When it's hot, not doing that keeps you alive. I think it's as simple as that. Huh. Anyway, uh, Alabama's 45th, Hawaii, 47th. Hawaii? Sticking poi up their nose, riding pineapples. I mean, just dumb. But they seem happy. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Sean. Number 48, Cali Unicornia. Damn near the dumbest state in the union. Yeah, still wearing masks. That's right. In spite of there being no scientific basis to do it, uh, Louisiana's forty ninth, and then poor beleaguered. Did anybody have any doubt in their mind? Mississippi, fiftieth place. The gap in this highly imperfect list is uh, your top state, Massachusetts, had a one hundred four point three IQ. Mississippi is ninety four point two. Wow. So it's a pretty significant gap. Below average. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, again, not a perfect measure, but. Um, of course, you're going to have an average. Troubling. Everybody's, somebody's got to be below average to have an average. What? Um, yeah, I wonder about that because I heard this morning the states that have the highest vaccination rates <coughs> versus lowest. California is one of the highest, by the way. Washington is the highest. California's among the highest. Two states where they're still making people wear masks. How do you like that? Um, uh, but lowest, Mississippi and Alabama. Why aren't they getting vaccinated in Mississippi and Alabama? Uh, uh, why? Why? Why the those? If you're going to list the states with the highest obesity, smoking the most, illiteracy, it'd probably be those two states would be in the mm-hmm. mix along with Louisiana uh, and not getting the shots. I just uh, why? Why does that continue? In our modern, homogenous world where you can go to a strip mall anywhere in America and it's going to have the same four places, there'll be a Starbucks, a Panda Express, and a Best Buy, um, uh, how, how do you have such v- consistent results in some of these states? I, I think the answer to that is really complicated and really uncomfortable, hmm. especially in, in the modern day. 
Uh, I think a, a lot of it's the legacy of historic racism, honestly, because both those states have large black populations. They don't have great school systems. They don't have great, you know, state finances. Um, it's 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 tough to lift a, a society up. It takes sure a, a lot long of, time. Sure, a lot of musicians and writers come out of those states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creativity and culture and that sort of thing, absolutely. You know, and I've heard over and over again that a lot of black people mistrust uh, the medical establishment, but then they usually cite things that happened in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm not sure how much I believe that or if that's just kind of a trope of the modern media. But there absolutely is something going on in Mississippi and Alabama. And, you know, I'd, I would like to see the kids in those states, no matter what they look like, have uh, great opportunities for a fabulous life in America. So, yeah, that's an interesting question. I've driven around those states and, and thought, Man, I'd like to live here. I just like the feel of everything around there. It's just got a, it's just cool, like its own r- real culture. It seems so not um, strip molly in that part Year, of the country. Years ago, I drove through Memphis on the interstate. I just didn't live in see Memphis. a single bluesman. Oh, really? I, I didn't live, see you either. I lived in Memphis for a while. <laughs> didn't um, see Elvis. You know, just we saw got, the interstate. We got this text. I don't know where it came from, but great show, guys. I want to thank you as being the only in caps. Place that is mentioning, oh, no, I'm sorry, that's the wrong text. That's not the one I wanted to read. I love you guys. Another one. Objective, rational, funny, informative. But you're being irresponsible on the COVID vaccines. We don't know the long-term effects, yada, yada, yada. You've not done responsible research. So, you know, it varies from place to place, people's views on that sort of thing. It's interesting that it, it's, it's there's a higher group of people that feel that way in Mississippi and Alabama, for instance, than do in other places. I did have a brief feeling the other day. I don't know what made this pop into my head. A brief, wow, what if we were all wrong? What if there is some, like, hiccup with these vaccines? Well, that would be awful. That would be awful. You know, I would like to respond to that texter by saying, yeah, I've done loads and loads of research. I may have come to a different conclusion than you, or I don't get on the same websites as you, but uh, I would suggest that in an emergency, long-term research isn't feasible and uh, and and I certainly hope I'm right and you're wrong. If you are right and I'm wrong, I will acknowledge that fully. Um, I think many millions of people would still be dying uh, if it were not for the vaccines <clears throat> in the United States. Hundreds of thousands, certainly. And 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 I think based on not only independent research but all of my conversations with all of the doctors and medical professionals I know, there are virtually none of them that have the slightest concern. But again, we could be wrong. How many people are living in isolation because they don't trust people? New poll out. Colbert's got a comment. We'll have a comment. Among other things we're going to talk about. Coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to a story published by the AP this morning, millions in the U.S. struggle through life with few to trust. What the hell, AP? (laughs) A headline like that should come with a warning. Get any other gems from the smile file? Like, (laughs) you probably seem happy as long as you don't think about it too much. (laughs) And why? But like, why though? (laughs) 
the smile file. Why? But like, why though? You know, as I was reading this over, Sean gave me the paperwork on it and said this goes along with the joke. I thought this has the potential to be the saddest segment we've ever done. Uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a, uh, a fear going. I'll hit you with a couple <laughs> of headlines. Uh, pretty interesting, though, and I think I can turn it into some sort of positive or something or something that doesn't make you want to kick the chair out from underneath you. Um, I'm trying to figure out this joke here. A lot of people are jumping on the fact that the world's greatest work of art has been vandalized. Some headlines have it being destroyed or at least defaced. The world's greatest work of art has been ruined. So sorry to hear that. By vandals. And then you go to the YouTube video, and it is a mime, like with a hammer, beating on nothing. So is this that invisible statue? (laughs) From Because I can't tell what's going on here exactly. I think it's that invisible statue from a couple of weeks ago. That artist sold a pedestal with nothing on it, but he says it's an invisible statue. Somebody bought it for $18,000, and apparently now vandals have defaced it. <laughs> that's, that's really a shame. They shouldn't have left it sitting around like that. Well, right. you got to have a guard on that thing. Or and the, the vandal was a mime. Who saw that coming? <laughs> I mean, if you don't know that statues are in peril, you haven't been reading headlines lately. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it got toppled. Oh, that's a crime. Um, so, this is what you they, want to hear. They arrested the mime, but he ain't saying nothing. Hilarious. The poll finds <laughs> in the world's saddest segment, 18% of U.S. adults, 46 million people, 18% say they have one person or nobody that they can trust for help in, personal li- in their personal lives, such as Emergency child care needs, a ride to the airport, support when they fall sick. We all know who those people are that we've got in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. But 18% say they have one or nobody. Wow. And then 28% say they have just one person or nobody that they can, uh, that will help them draft a resume, connect to an employer, or navigate workplace challenges. It's more interesting if you break it down by races. The isolation is more acute among black and Hispanic Americans, which is surprising to me, actually. of black adults, 38%, nearly two in five say they have one or no one that they can trust to help them in their lives. Wow. And what I was wondering is, if you went back in time, you know, when we all lived in uh, tiny towns or villages and never really left there, Mm -hmm. you know, like I knew a guy um, back when I lived in Ellis County, Kansas, Hayes, Kansas, I knew a guy who... uh, had, I don't know if he'd ever been out of the county or he'd never been more than uh, 60 miles from town or something like that. And it was always pretty interesting to me. And uh, I knew somebody whose dad had died had never been out of the county. Wow. I, I got to believe you go back very long, though. That was the norm. People that had never been out of the county that they lived in. When life was like that, how many people would the average person say they had that they could trust on in a, in a crunch? Way more, would you guess? It would be significant, yeah. I mean, because your your nuclear and then second layer family would be right with you. I'll have to ask my dad about that, since he grew up in a town kind of like that. I mean, an area kind of like that. And he went to a one room schoolhouse where kindergarten through senior year is all there. His brother, his class, graduating high school class, had one person in it. So it'd be a pretty good example of that kind of life in the fairly modern era. Just. Yes. Uh, even just modern kind of small town stuff. I see this in where uh, I remember I, when I was visiting Alaska as a teenager 
and uh, they all kind of chuckled because we, uh, my mom and I, we were we were constantly, oh yeah, we need to go back. We forgot to lock the car. We got, oh no, you don't have to do that. What do you lock the car? Yeah. Lock the doors. What? Yeah. Well, and I also think that until pretty recently, uh, and uh, because there wasn't phony empty calorie human contact electronically, mm. whether through the TV, social media, email, text, whatever, all of your human contact was personal. So it was direct interpersonal contact. So Maslow's hierarchy of hierarchy of needs would drive you out of your home to know more people. Right, exactly. Whereas you can get that fulfilled by not leaving your home now, or at least kind of feels like you're filling it. Yeah, and one more thought just off the top of my head. Um the the government had almost no role in providing for you in times of need until fairly recently in human history. That would play a role. And so there's a mutual dependence, and everybody is mutually rewarded by building uh, networks of, of support. Yeah, and uh, that Bowling Alone book that came out, geez, way back in the 90s now, that people don't join uh, the Rotary Club or have a bowling league or uh, go to church. Um, those are obviously groups where you'd be more likely to have somebody that could drive you to the airport. You could have a lot of Instagram followers and not have one single person you could call that could give you a ride to the airport. Yeah, I've told the story before, but not for a very long time. When I was in college, I lived in a fraternity, and there was a big vote as to whether we should get cable TV in each room uh, or just stick with the, the big TV downstairs in the basement. And the vote went, the, the argument against it was that it would ruin some camaraderie and getting together and that sort of thing. We got cable, everybody disappeared into their rooms. The living room used to be full of dudes. The basement, 20 guys watching TV, laughing, hooting, and arguing over what we ought to watch next, the rest of it. That went away in the blink of an eye when we got cable TV. That's interesting. Well, we'll see if we can come up with something else from the smile file for next Friday <laughs> that will make you super, super sad. Because that's what we do on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.